You're listening to Faith by Hearing with Dave Delaney, Christian conversations about faith, family, and friends. What was your first girlfriend's name? First? First. Derek, you got to remember to bleep this time. Not the same that I dated later in life that you guys would have heard about. Wow, you just have a thing for masculine names. <laughs> you, know, you know the crazy thing? You know the crazy thing? This is a great like transition from last week because about halfway through the year, quit liking me and started liking Alex the bully. Mm. Ooh, the lure continues. Yeah. Mm. If you want an actual girlfriend, that was fourth grade when that story happened. So, was fourth grade? That was fourth grade. Who was your first um, actual girlfriend? What grade? We broke up in 10th grade. Mm. When did you, you got together in 10th grade? No, we got together in 9th grade. <laughs> Commitment. We made it through the summer almost. So, <laughs> High school relationships are judged off of the summer. Oh, yeah. So are college relationships, honestly. Really? A lot of college couples come back from break and they're not together. That COVID year was a wrecker. When we all left school in March because COVID... So then it was seven months. Yeah, it was March to September. When you got back in September, it was romantic carnage. (laughs) I'm talking weddings broken off, all (laughs) kinds of stuff, dude. Nobody made it through COVID except me and Allison. It seems like I'm sure many others did, but you know what I'm saying. There was a lot of breakups that year. That's funny. Welcome to authentic conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Faith by Hearing. An authentic conversation about faith, family, and friends. And we are in a conversation today about marriage and about its goodness. So we've spent the last couple podcasts talking about leadership. Last week, of course, about biblical manhood. And the conversation that really flows out of manhood is a conversation about marriage. How old were you and you and uh, Allison got married, Evan? I was 22. And she was how old? She was 23. Ooh. Yeah. And you dated in college or what? Where'd you meet her? I met Allison. She was uh, traveling around for the college that we went to. Wait, 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 wait. Were you at the college already? Nope. I was at a youth conference as a counselor in uh, Gulfport, Mississippi. Going to no college? Nope. I was welding. And... Allison comes through, she sings. She sings. She, she serenades my, you. Yeah. I was sitting on the back row of my church. There's a couple I met her at the conference. And you felt some call. I looked at my mom next to me and said, on the back row and I said, Mom, the brunette in the middle is the prettiest girl I've ever seen. <laughs> and my mom will validate that story. I'm going I'm going to that college. Yep. So For her. Well, that's a pretty pathetic way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> it was a it was a uh, it was a factor in the decision. I like it. What about you, Derek? I was 23. She was 22. And uh, your high school sweetheart, right? Yeah, it was a little roller coaster of a, a relationship. But we. Was that your fault or is that Jillian's fault? Depends who you ask. <laughs> Man and I got married when we were 18. Both of us were um, two months removed from being 19 when we left for our honeymoon. We didn't get to speed away in a, a Corvette. In fact, we weren't even old enough to rent a car. Mm. Every place we went, we'd say, oh, you guys are newlyweds? And we'd say, yeah. And the immediate response, it, seem, it seems like, from, from everyone was, how old are you guys? And you're already married? So we want to we talk about 
marriage, and this is not a conversation about when you should get married. I think that's different for everybody, but this is a conversation about why and how you should get married. There's no one particular timeline for when you should get married that's better than another, and every every husband and wife go through different circumstances. So we would we would make sure that we want to say at the at the start of this that any future decision about marriage should be prayed through carefully. Pastoral and family counsel should be sought and you and your potential spouse should prioritize what is what is best as it relates to timing for you as it relates to marriage, but we also want to make sure we say we're pro marriage. When we say that, we mean biblical marriage. That's the only kind of marriage that we would recognize, which is a marriage between one man and one woman for one lifetime as it was designed and instituted by God for our good. But what we also want to make sure that we say is that marriage is good. Marriage is not just a good thing for our culture and society, but marriage is a good thing for us individually. And we're going to talk about that in a little while. But before we do, I mean, I want to highlight kind of the the cultural attitude toward marriage in that it seems to be that the way society views marriage today is problematic at best. It's evidenced in all kinds of statistics and research that marriage is in decline in our world today. What do you think some of the reasons for that are and and what what are what are some things that maybe we should be aware of as far as philosophical understanding from the world about the gift of marriage? I think being that most people these days are a lot more career oriented rather than family oriented really pushes down the line even the idea of having a family and so far that some people I would think they don't even ever plan on having a family because their career is is the most important thing to them and that seems to be a a very prevalent idea in a lot of a lot of today's younger people. Mm-hmm. I think uh our world shifted at some point when people began to view divorce not as an extreme for the most unfortunate situations but as a, a viable option at any point in a marriage. It was dissolvable just like a contract, just like a career, just like it was a decision that could, it's an easy pivot. At some point then our culture decided that marriage was not one man and one woman for one lifetime. And when you give yourself an option to quit, I think that's why we see the numbers that spike as much as they do over the last 40 years. Yeah. I think, I think in addition to that, I'd say just a cultural attitude toward marriage that diminishes all of its virtues and marriage is seen as like, you know, the old ball and chain. It's what keeps you from doing what you really want to do. It's what keeps you from having freedom and fun and enjoyment. And it's this huge, heavy burden that you have to carry. And we live in a a hookup with everybody type society. So why not just live your life the way you want to live and express yourself sexually in any kind of way with whoever you want to express yourself with without any kind of commitment? And as a result of that, a lot of that thinking about marriage has permeated the church culture. So what I want to do is highlight a few ways that marriage is good and the goodness of marriage. Again, not not so that we would 
be trying to talk anybody into getting married at the exact particular time or age that we were when we were married, but just reinforcing a biblical philosophy and hopefully adding to your faith about this gift that God has given us. So maybe I'll start here that marriage really matures you. It makes you it makes you grow up, and that's not saying that all married people are mature, because mm-hmm. certainly it's true that some married people are immature. Um, and it's not saying that only married people are mature, but what it is to say is it's to say that the pursuit of marriage is an indicator that you're pursuing maturity, because marriage, especially in our culture, is something that is associated with adulthood. I think especially you look at the area where we live, it's even more so. We had a a discussion about this the other day that because in Southern California, the cost of becoming an established adult is so high Mm -hmm. that people my age here are, are not even close to it. So it's easy to push marriage down the road because everything else is pushed down the road. Yeah it's a long process to become an established adult here. And in many parts of our country now, Mm -hmm. it seems like the extended adolescence is kind of in a way, the result of the economy. It's not that maybe younger people don't want to grow up. They feel as though they have no option. I think it takes a lot of initiative to, for a young adult to pursue marriage whenever in society, they may be one of the very few that are thinking that way. It takes a little bit of, initiative in a little bit of going against the peer pressure to say no take take several years off go travel go go do what you want to do first enjoy your life first and then get married that kind of idea it takes it takes some introspection and some a little bit of boldness to say no i'm going to do something different i'm right. doing something the rest of society the rest of society isn't doing yeah so some of the statistics we found on this is um that in 1970 uh, 80% of 25 to 34-year-olds were married. And today, that number is down at under 40%. And I think part of that is the lack of maturity from that group, this extended adolescence. You know, be free, discover yourself, find out who you are. And what we're saying is marriage is the gift that God has given to mature us, it is a maturing factor in our lives. So much like how our works prove our faith, according to James chapter 2, the pursuit of adult things proves our desire to mature as men and women, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. When I became a man, I put away childish things. So maturity in manhood or maturity in womanhood is, is marked at the pursuit of mature things, which I think all of us would say marriage is a mature thing. And I think our culture views it that way. That's something that you do when you're older. That's something that you do when you're grown up. You don't have to worry about getting married now. Just live free, do what you want, enjoy life, be self-reliant and self-dependent and not have to count on anyone else. So the goodness of marriage is found in that marriage matures you It forces you to grow up. It forces you to live in commitment and relationship. It forces you to not run for the door at the first sign of trouble. A lot of these kind of tendencies and habits we form in our dating relationship 
because you can just leave whenever the problem gets hard. But in marriage, you're making a commitment, you're making a covenant, and that matures you. But I think people are less likely to get married because they want to live in immaturity. But that immaturity that exists today is masked as maturity. Hmm. And it's evident in the in what bib- biblically what is maturity. It's not an age. Biblically, maturity is operating in wisdom. It's pursuing what God tells you to pursue as opposed to just pursuing what the culture or the world tells you to pursue. So when I became a man, I put away childish things. I didn't live in immaturity. I didn't just live for myself. I lived for the things that God has given to me. And one of those things, one of the primary things that God has given is marriage. But our culture has twisted God's gift of marriage. We've distorted it for a variety of reasons, painted it as this bad thing, something to be resisted as something to be pursued. So in talking about marriage making us dependent on God, when you're living single and you decide to move halfway across the country to work at a minimum wage job, you know, and share an apartment with your buddy, no one is affected by that decision but you. Right. And when you're married and you have a wife or kids or other people who are counting on you to make the best decision, the most stable, secure, clear, purposeful, meaningful decision. I think a a second reason why marriage is good is because in marriage you have to be dependent on God. You you can you cannot think of marriage simply as a cultural benchmark. Oh, if, if you get married, you're an adult. Because marriage doesn't belong to the culture. Marriage belongs to God. It's the oldest institute in the scriptures given to us in Genesis chapter 2. And many people think that marriage is just another cultural event that happens. So you turn 16, you get your driver's license, you work your first job, you graduate high school, you go to college, you get a nice paying job and career, you buy a car, you get a tattoo, now you go get married, right? It's just another thing that belongs to the culture, but it doesn't belong to the culture. Marriage belongs to God. And the pursuit of marriage is the pursuit of standing firm in the word of God by embracing roles and relationships that God has given to you and that God has designed for you. Marriage requires you to be dependent on God because it, it puts you in positions and fills your life with stress and worry and anxiety of providing for somebody else, of meeting somebody else's need that you can't do on your own. You need the Lord to help you to be all that you're supposed to be for the other people now in your life. So marriage, I think, makes you more mature. Marriage makes you dependent on the Lord. Marriage makes you richer. Married couples have more money. They say, just statistically, they save more, they make more, they have a higher net worth, which 
this this shows you the way in which the culture comes at marriage, right? Because everyone thinks, well, before I can get married, I got to have X amount of money. I got to have X type of job. We don't have enough money to get married. Well, what do you really need to get married? You, mm-hmm. you need a husband. You need a wife you know, accordingly. You need your parents' blessing. You need the insight of the Lord. Other than that, you're pretty good. You don't you don't need much else. But our culture has taken the conversation of marriage and they've made it this other conversation about no, you have to have this amount of money, you gotta work this kind of job, you gotta drive these kind of cars. And those are all cultural standards. I'm not against any of that. I think it's wise to think about it. But though that's not the benchmark for what you need inside of marriage. Could you say that the parent-child relationship has replaced marriages for a lot of people and that logistically the the obvious benefits of getting married is shared expenses? Now you're only paying one mortgage. You're only paying one utility bill. You're only paying, you know, your meals can be shared together. Things, things get cheaper that way just by combining. And instead of sharing that with the spouse, instead it's parents taking on that responsibility from the child, making them think that they're living for free. When in reality, it's the parents bearing that burden rather than them bearing the burden for somebody else. A spouse. Absolutely. Yeah. Without a doubt. And it's really like the complexity of our culture is what brought that on too. Because like what it's hard to think, it's hard to put your finger on what changed. People didn't become more loving of their children, right? Parents in 1920 loved their kids just as much as parents in 2020. Mm-hmm. But the complexity of our culture and what all it takes to exist as a person, right? Then it was pretty simple. But now, and none of these are bad things, but between health insurance and retirement and a college degree most people would deem necessary to be in a successful adult. So we've added all these things and now you see 18-year-olds have a lot more to check off the list than 18-year-olds 100 years ago. And parents probably see a desire to help with that and that's what causes these things. Yeah, every parent wants better for their kids than what they had. Right. And I think a lot of times the conversation about money to get married is because all the marriage research would tell you that one of the largest contributing factors to fights and hostility in marriage is money. So you want something better for your kids than you had. And if you were constantly worrying, arguing, fighting over money, then you don't want your kids to have to do that. So now you've kind of laid this expectation on them that, well, if you have money, well, then you won't fight. But what you need to know is that you're going to fight in marriage. It's going to be over something. Mm. So it may be about how much you have, or it may be what you spent your money on, but you're still going to have these kind of conversations. Having money doesn't remove the sin nature that we have. But what we're saying is not, well, you don't have to think about money at all. No, what we're saying is if you really look at it, two people living together inside the confines of marriage, have a, have a better chance at owning a home, valuing things that are more permanent as the things that are, as opposed to things that are less permanent, health insurances, and, and taking care of those kind of financial things. In fact, here, here's what the, um, the Ohio State University, the Center for Human Research, the Center for Human Resource Research found that married people had 90 
93% higher wealth per person than singles. So 93% higher wealth for married folks than for non-married folks. And the evidence, the, the professor goes on to say, the evidence shows that getting married increases wealth and income. Getting married increases wealth and income. These are, these are, this is what the world is saying by, by their statistics and their studies. So using, well, I don't have enough money, that's why I can't get married, is not actually a, a good reason because the alternative is true. So what is the goodness of marriage? Why is it good to get married? Well, you'll be richer. You'll be more dependent on God. You'll be put into a rigorous maturing process as you have to live inside of relationship, have all those rough edges of your life that your parents just put up with you, but your wife isn't going to put up with you on. All those things trimmed off make you a more mature individual. But also, you get married you have more sex. Statistically, married people have more sex, they have better sex, they have more satisfying sex. If you're one of the very few who, with God's help, keep yourself pure unto marriage, all of those statistics become even more promising. And there are several reasons for this, but here are a few of them. Married people usually have worked out an elaborate set of verbal and nonverbal cues. Also, there's there's more freedom in, in this. There's freedom from anxiety, from rejection, from feeling awkward, from feeling uncertainty, from feeling regret. There's freedom to risk, freedom to trust, freedom to experience. All of all of these things are key for growing in this area. And today more than 70% of marriages are preceded by a cohabitation, the, the husband and wife living together before they're actually married, cohabiting before marriage, especially with somebody other than your future spouse, brings all kinds of increased risks for divorce. So it'll be more fulfilling physically for you, marriage will be, is what all these statistics are showing us. And the lie is that it's the other way, right? Like that's what the world is so set on, that Marriage is a sexually binding event. And what we're saying and what God's truth is saying is that it's a sexually freeing event, which should be obvious to us because physical intimacy was designed by God who designed it to occur within a marriage. So it, it shouldn't shock us that that's where studies show that it's the best. Of course, that's, that's, it's operating in the setting and in the situation that God intended it to. And that, I think, is a huge hang-up for people. Because you hear all the time from our culture that it's the opposite way around, but Absolutely. it can't be lost on us that it's not true. Another one of the obvious benefits is it gets rid of any issues that might come from comparison, that might come from trust. That's a great point, and I think, I think you're spot on in, in highlighting that in this area, especially because there is so much apprehension and tension. So we said early, early on in, the, in the, the podcast, and I can't remember which one, but you know, God's plan for us is to be generous with our money and stingy with our sexuality. Mm. And your purity, your sexuality is a gift to be given to your spouse and your spouse alone, but it's also a gift to be enjoyed with your spouse and your spouse alone. And when we follow God's plan, especially in this area, things always go better. 
Sin always complicates. Sin always destroys. Sin always brings feelings of shame and guilt and not being able to measure up. But God's plan always brings fulfillment and satisfaction. So you'll be matured. You'll be dependent on the Lord. You'll be better off financially. You'll be better off intimately. But this is a surprising one. And I'm, I'm curious to hear your guys' take on this. You're, you'll actually be healthier. So there are, there are many factors here, probably more than we could list, but married people statistically do better at maintaining, or maintaining healthier weights, more active, have lower mortality rates, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think one of the, the stereotypes of the world, right? Soon as you get married, you stop caring. You just let yourself go. You get the big beer belly. You get, you know, you, you get bald. You, you know, whatever. You know, you get the muffin top on top of, you know, on your, on your waist there. But statistically, it would actually show otherwise. It's all that extra cardio. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel that I feel like that's hard to elaborate on because I okay. don't really understand the factors that go into that. I don't or nor have guesses of what they would be. Just comparing my own eating habits before I was married to after I was married. That's a good point. Yeah, I you you have my whatever, 18 to 22 year old self, you extend those eating habits 20 years. Yeah. I'm probably in a world of hurt. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not saying I won't be, but (laughs) (laughs) so those are some of the reasons why you should get married. Let me, let me give you just as we close this podcast out, let me give you some of the how, and um, here's a few things. First, you, you need a process in this and um, marriage begins with understanding the the relationship that God has given to us in marriage, that godly friendship is a great place to begin looking for a spouse in. That's that's not saying that marriage is only friendship. Marriage is more than friendship. That's true. But marriage ought to be built on friendship. Picture marriage as coming home every night to your best friend, your greatest fan, your number one supporter. And uh, she or he always makes each day a little bit better and takes those bad days and makes them good. But also what you need in this process is some intentionality. And there has to be an intentional dating versus this casual dating. My, my mom used to say something like, every day is a potential mate. And what she meant by that is that as you pursue friendships and relationships, be clear on your intentions with that relationship. If is it is it just you're you're looking for somebody to go to a banquet with, then be clear. Is it that you're looking for somebody that you're you're hoping that this person might be somebody that you could spend the rest of your life with? Well, then then be clear. So in intentional dating is exclusive. Intentional dating shows honor toward the other person. It shows honor to that person's um, circle of support, their pastor, their parents, their siblings, their family. But also intentional dating, I want to go back and highlight that, is exclusive. And we, we've all joked or like heard stories about the guy in college who dated every type of girl, you know, just trying to whittle it down and see which girls best fit him. And what we're saying is that's a that's a bad way to go about pursuing this relationship. 
I, I heard a story of a guy who told me that the way he figured out he was going to marry his wife was he put all these girls that he was interested in onto a bracket, like a oh, March no. Madness bracket, and then went on a single date which, with each of them. And then whichever ones were good, he progressed them forward in the in the uh, March Madness bracket until he ended at, okay, his wife is the one that he'll date. What we're saying is that's not the right way to go about it, right? We're all uh, we're all in agreement on that, right? I just wish I would have heard that while I was still dating. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know who you might be talking about. Oh no. I, I'm sure you do. <laughs> so the process you need, godly friendship, be intentional in the dating process. And then the third one here for a process, engagement. I think it was the uh the great theologian Beyonce who said if you like it, then you better put a ring on it. <laughs> I will say this. Being engaged does not finalize your decision to be married, but it does. It's kind of a preview for that maturation process that starts in marriage. And you think not much really changes. You still don't live together. You're still not married. But something about getting a ring, setting that date, your relationship begins to be refined already. So there's benefit even during your engagement time that helps you move towards marriage. Yeah, engagement just historically has been the the, the clarifying moments. And it, and it's it's not a it's not an equal comparison, but Joseph was espoused to marry to be his wife. So espousal and engagement aren't the same thing. I I recognize that, but they serve the same purpose. Now we quit getting cows. <laughs> they serve the same purpose in that they're approving time. And they're not to be prolonged, but they are to be taken very serious in proving exactly who you are and, and demonstrating that you are the person that maybe during this dating period um, you've pretended to be. The last point here on the, the process that I would give you. So we said a couple of things. You need godly friendships. The best marriages are built on friendship. You need to be intentional in your dating, which means show honor to the person's family be exclusive, show honor to the the circle of support that God has given that person, engagement. And then fourth and last year, I'd say, you know, to really help you learn about what insecurities or future hurdles there might would be in your marriage, you need, you need premarital counseling. And after those steps are taken, the only two things left, covenant and consummation. So marriage lived out with this person is, according to the Word of God, to be lifelong learning, loving, growing, worshiping together, repenting together, and striving to live the way that God has called us to live as a family, but also trying to raise a family to the honor and the glory of the Lord. So that's uh, that's our conversation today uh, about marriage and about its goodness, and we want to thank you for sticking in with us and hearing this uh, hearing this conversation through. We got a couple things we want to tell you about opportunities that are coming up, so don't miss out. Merry Christmas! That's too loud. We got to get it out the popping. <laughs> Merry <laughs> Chrysler. <laughs> That Christmas just, is coming up. That Earth. just destroyed my ears. Even the second one? The first one was bad. Still I'm still, ha- yeah, it's still ringing from the first one. The Christmas special is coming up. We have next week's episode will be our Christmas special. We got some fun things planned and we want you to be a part of that. 
So go ahead and send in to our Instagram your favorite holiday tradition. And if you say decorate the Christmas tree, we're probably not going to read that because that's everyone. That's everyone's favorite holiday tradition. Something that your family does, something that you've always enjoyed that it doesn't have to be unique, but I mean, ideally it should be a little bit unique if you want us to read it on the podcast. We're going to go through some of those listeners submitted Christmas traditions. We will maybe make fun of them, maybe start them in our own families. Who knows? That's up to you based on what you send in. As well as if you're looking for stocking stuffers for a faith by hearing loved one listener that you have, go ahead and order a hat from us. I don't, I can't think of something that a, an avid listener of this show would rather open on Christmas morning than a crisp new faith by hearing hat. I agree. So get one of those ordered, put it in uh, your spouse's stocking, whoever told you about this show, put it in their stocking and uh, it'd be a good gift for them. Don't forget to uh, subscribe and leave us a rating. We'll see you next week. Derek, I rate you a 10 out of 10.